This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Welcome to episode 166 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. I'm Tracy. And we're kind of on vacation, so to speak. We're doing a live show up in Philadelphia. <laughs> so what that means typically is... Um, we are really short on time. Plus, I have some huge news that we'll talk about in the middle. We've got two stories tonight. And in the middle of it, I'll tell you what the big news is that we alluded to a couple of weeks ago and how that affects Hillbilly Horror Stories. The first one uh, story we're going to do is, is is a new one. The second story is from one of our uh, episodes that we did on Patreon back in February, I think it was. So it's been a while ago. Most of you haven't heard it. Uh, but we didn't have time with uh, everything. Well, you'll hear the news, but the reason why there's no time. But so we we did, as usual, when we use a Patreon show, we want to make sure you guys get something new also, in case you've already heard it. Mm-hmm. So that's what we got, but I think you're going to like both of these stories. Okay. Now, obviously, we want to start off by thanking all of our military and civil servants, no matter which country you represent. Thank you guys for everything that you do for us. Amen. Stay safe, please. Also, we want to mention if you're struggling with uh, some mental situations right now, with depression, with uh, just anything that could possibly be going on that's not of a strictly physical nature, and sometimes a physical nature. Sometimes people have so much going on physically with their body, they hurt so much that it takes a toll on them, and and, uh, it makes them think thoughts that uh, they shouldn't think, basically. And the reality of it is, no matter what you're going through right now, there is somebody willing to listen to you and to help you out. Yep. Been there myself. Friends, coworkers, uh, us, obviously. But, I mean, the people that are all around you, they care about you for the most part. Yeah, we love you guys. So feel free to reach out to anybody if you need help. Reach out to us. Reach out to the group. The, the group is there specifically for you guys to support each other and we're so proud that that's taken on a life of its own if you'd rather talk to someone that's trained as i could imagine some people would 1-800-273-8255 suicide hotline here in america and then if you'd rather more of a texter 741-741 okay thank you guys for everything that you do for us i just felt the need to say that the story that we're going to start off with tonight is called, it's the, well, I'm not even going to tell you the name of it. I'll wait till we get to it. So we had Andrea Whitney on about a year and a half, two years ago, something like that. She was telling us about Black Hope Cemetery in the Houston area. Mm -hmm. Now, if you remember that story, and if you don't remember the story, this is the cemetery that 
the movie The Poltergeist, the plot actually came from here. It was a neighborhood built on top of a cemetery. And, of course, in the movie, you know, the people who moved there had no clue that the cemetery used to be there. And there was all kinds of of issues going on. Can you imagine? Seriously. (laughs) Um, By the way, your house is on top of a cemetery. (laughs) So in the the situation with Black Hope Cemetery, it was an African-American cemetery that pretty much had been there from years and years and years ago. And I guess uh, people bought the property and were supposed, I think they were supposed to have moved the bodies. I don't remember the whole Black Hope um, cemetery situation. Either some of them or all of them uh, remained. Mm. So they they might have moved some of them. But yeah. I remember the, the situation where, if you remember in Poltergeist, they went to dig the pool and when they dug the oh, pool, yeah. there was the the... Skeletal I mean, remains. How would you ever know if you've got all of them anyway? I don't know. I don't know if you could. But that, that situation was they, they dug the pool. Well, in the real-life Black Hope Cemetery, I know when Andrea told the story, there was a gentleman that was going to dig a pool, and a, a uh, African-American gentleman came up to him and said, uh, you might not want to do that because I know there's a couple of bodies buried underneath that tree. <laughs> and because this guy used to be the caretaker for the I've cemetery, done, yeah. so he had actually dug some of these graves. Oh, but man. that was the story back then. With this story, though, that we're going to talk about tonight, it's a very similar story. It's in Pegram, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville. It's about 25 minutes away from Nashville, matter of fact. So this story involves the Pegram Family Cemetery, and or I guess I should say the subdivision that now stands where the cemetery used yeah. to be. So let's go back to 1970. A developer bought this land with the intention of building a subdivision, which would now be known as the Harpeth Haven subdivision, right along the Harpeth River. Now this included the Pegram's Family Cemetery. At this point, when he bought the land, the cemetery was in really rough shape. Mm-hmm. It had been pretty much uh, overgrown oh, and, that's and a dilapidated shame. way over the years, just ignored. So it's not unusual for some of these cemeteries uh, from the past, especially you know when they're that old and stuff like that, to be moved to another location yeah. as far as the bodies picked up and moved for whatever reason. It's usually for like a mall or subdivision or something like that. But so I mean, we've heard this story before. So they moved the headstones and the bodies. Now, quick question. Wouldn't the proper thing to do is to move all of the bodies? Well, yeah, but like I said, how would you even know? The other question would be, though, do you think that's what they did? Would they act like they did and they didn't? No, they didn't move them, that's for sure, at least not all of them. And it might be like you said, it just might be because it got missed. Some of them might have got missed. So they built a bunch of these little smaller homes on concrete slab foundations. And uh, then they took all the dirt that they dug up from the cemetery. And they sold it as fill dirt all around the county. Oh, geez. Well, (laughs) spread the love, why don't you? Everything seemed to be fine in the subdivision for the first five years. But that fifth year seemed to kick off some events that... Many people in town think or attribute to a curse to what happened in the cemetery. So the subdivision was built in 1970, and in 1975, the Harpeth River rose over 30 feet, flooding the area, the first of many huge floods. So the houses 
that shouldn't even have gotten water in them somehow managed to get water in the homes. Now, this first flood had an unexpected result for Archie Greer, who lived in the subdivision. So during a flood, you expect to see certain things, water you know, covering the streets, debris floating down. But Archie saw something in a yard that threw him for a loop. You see, there was a coffin in Archie's front yard. Well, yeah, that would do it. Leaning up against a tree from my understanding. I'm sure it wasn't Halloween time, so there wasn't no reason for it to be there. In the coffin was the remains of Miss Carrie Pegram Heath. She was the first postmistress of Pegram. Well, how do they know that's who that was? Well, I'm sure they did some research on it. Well, you know, a lot of these caskets and stuff back in the old days, they had numbers on them. Oh, they did? So they were able okay. to track down. Well, that's that's a good thing. So I don't know if that's how they did it or not, or maybe she had a name tag on. Maybe she just left a con- post- postmaster convention or something. <laughs> she had her she, thing on? I am. Yeah. You know. So Miss Pegram was reburied after the, uh, the flood. Waters have subsided. Is it possible that this was the only body they missed? I mean, I guess it is. It's doubtful, though. It's also obvious that Miss Carrie Pegram Heath doesn't like to stay put. Because during a flood in 2010, she had to be pushed back down into the ground. Are you kidding? Again. Oh, my right. gosh. You got a taste of that freedom the first time. <laughs> and she decided 35 years later. Yeah. It just took her a little bit to get there. <sighs> Anyways. Over the years, there have been several floods in the town and several fires. Now, apparently, there didn't used to be all these floods before this. Right. That river's been there forever, but the area didn't flood. And Anyways. So, we mentioned the fires. There was a bunch of fires. Several of them, though, mysteriously started back after they were extinguished. Like? Like they put them out. Like, event, like right after? Or yeah, just sure, like a day I'm later? Sure, I'm sure right after. Yeah. The only supermarket that they had in town burned down. Oh. Apparently nothing in the town works like it's supposed to. The sewer system that the town built is constantly having problems, even today. And sounds like spreading the soil all around the county was probably a bad idea, too. Ask the people at Town Hall, because they've had their share of problems there, including large legal fees. One-time mayor, Charlie Moorhead, said that he thought that the problems with the trains in town could actually be tied to the curse. That's funny when the mayor is saying that. Well, see, what happens is the trains often get stuck on the track next to Highway 70. And he said that there's only one way in and one way out of the subdivision. Uh, and our train tracks here get blocked a whole lot. He said people can't get out to go to work. They can't get in to go home from work. That's so annoying. And buses can't get in to get the kids. That is so annoying. So, it's it wasn't a huge story, but... But, well, it's very interesting. I thought it was a cool story, and it's, like I said, right outside of Nashville there, so... Mm-hmm. Dang, man. Okay, that so, sounds like it's all tied together to me. Oh, I'm sure it is. On this week, we, would, we won't have, for next two weeks, as a matter of fact, we won't have any Patreon or uh, iTunes review shout-outs. So, we'll catch up with all those on the next one. Yeah, because so everybody do a lot, so I'll have a lot to read. Yeah. So exciting. (laughs) It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. So, like I said, we do have another show or another another episode. uh, Episode. I can't talk. We've got another story 
that we're going to play in a minute, but I want to share some news with you guys. I've been putting this off for almost a month now since I initially started. What are you doing? Well, you don't even know the news yet. How are you going to share it? I do know the news. You don't know for a fact? I know the most of it. Fact. Anyways. <laughs> can we can carry this off the air, this discussion? Yeah. Go hey, ahead. Anyways. So, back right after the Louisville show, which was, what, uh, the 24th of mm-hmm. August, I turned in my resignation at work. From the position that I'm in. So my 70 hours a week, six days a week job and income will be going away. Yikes. To do this initially full time. That was the the plan. That's quite a jump because I I get paid really well on my my day job. And Mm -hmm. for that to go away, plus a company car. It just, uh, it's, worth it's, a, it. it's a leap of faith, but it's, we're not doing this because we're making enough money on this. We're doing it because it's just, man, it's uh, very stressful killing myself hours wise between the podcast and between that I'm putting in a hundred hours a week. Yeah. So this and is a good zero thing. free time, never having a weekend. We get, never seeing you. So, um, and just decided that enough was enough and we'll find a way to make it work. Yeah, we will. And, and it's worth every bit of it for you not to be there for your health, um, to see you, to have time with you, because I never do, because you seriously work 8 to mid, or 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night, yeah. and you've done it for so many years, it needs to be done. So that that's kind of the big news. Now, what that means is more free time to work on the show, which is why we'll start putting out a midweek episode everybody's i've always said if we were able to do this full-time or close to full-time that we would put out more episodes yeah so that's fun that's how it affects the show so like we we discussed this the other day the sunday night show will be exactly the same except there will not be any interviews or any special guests on that show mm-hmm. the wednesday night episode that's when it'll be and that, that'll start october 30th i think is what that is that right. that wednesday last wednesday of october is when we'll start doing the second episode that will have a um, special guest on that. So we'll do a short story, much like you just heard. Mm-hmm. That's the way it'll be. It'll be a story like that, and then we'll have a special guest. So that's the, that'll be the thing. So it won't be a long show, but you will get a little bit of traditional Hillbilly Horror Story along with a special guest. And we're going to bring on authors hor- that, that are horror-related. Horror-related. <laughs> that's just a terrible word. <laughs> Scary-related. But we'll bring on uh, authors. We'll bring on paranormal investigators. Uh, actors, actresses from the genre, and anything that could be tied into the show, we'll bring them on. Oh, we forgot something. What? Rest in peace, Sid. Yes. That broke my heart. Yeah, we should have mentioned that on last week's show. Sid Haig, such a sweetheart. This guy is like really one of the nicest people you no, would ever meet. No, he is meet. definitely. Couldn't be any more opposite than the characters he mm-hmm, plays. Mm-hmm. And I for, I'm so sad we forgot to mention that. But yeah, that was a that was a terrible thing. And I knew he wasn't at Scarefest this year. He was. But, no, he wasn't. Yes, he was. I had somebody say they saw him. I thought he was in the hospital I at that time. He, I thought he was in the hospital before that. But I, I could be wrong. But somebody told me that he was there because they, they had just left oh, and saw him. Because I, I didn't heart. think he was going to be there either. Yeah. But somebody said he was. Oh, well, rest in peace, dear man. We will miss you terribly. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just now thought of that for some reason. 
I'm used to you interrupting me. Yeah. I had big news and you interrupted it with something that wouldn't. You know. I know, but it just hit me. <laughs> <clears throat> so that's that's kind of what the news is. Now, since then, since I turned in my notice, there is some discussion, which I won't know fully until, um, well, I'll know it before this episode comes out because we're having to record it in advance. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'm probably going to stay on with the company in a different capacity but it's going to be a whole lot less stress a whole lot less hours i'll have my weekends free and that's why a lot of times people ask us all the time well are you going to the michigan paracon are you going to this we can't you know we can't do live shows every time we want to because i work every saturday Mm -hmm. and the only time and rarely can I get a Saturday off? And that's why a lot of times we'll do shows that are a couple hours away because I can just leave a little bit early. So a lot of these live shows that you guys have come to on Saturday, I left work just a couple hours before that long enough, just, just quick enough to drive up there. Yeah. Heck, the Indianapolis show we did last year, we, we almost didn't even make it in time. Oh, I know. <laughs> because we hit traffic and, and everything else. So, I mean, it's this will free up time for us to go to other conventions. It'll free up time for us to be able to do more live shows that are – uh, local and stuff like that so well i hope it works out for you honey i really do so that's kind of where we're at and uh, like i said even if i stay on with the company it's not going to be near the income so you know that changes some other things uh we've said before and i know some i don't know how many people believe it but these shows that we do like in philadelphia and kansas where we're driving 9 10 11 hours they don't pay for themselves we don't make money on those shows we rarely even come close to even uh, Houston, we came close to breaking even because we did two of those shows at one yeah. time. And, um, but I mean, most of these shows, like the show in Philadelphia and stuff, we lose money. And uh, that's only, and that's if they sell out, we lose money. The, the New York show, we canceled because the ticket sales weren't there. And we would have lost, literally, we couldn't afford to go to New York. We wanted to, we want to be able to do everybody, but, you know, by the time you spend $500 for a venue and then you spend, you know, another $500 for traveling just to get there. You know, you, you're $1,000 out of pocket, and that's if we drive. Could you imagine if we fly? And then all the equipment that we have to haul, and it's just, you know, it's got to be beneficial. And luckily, my day job paid for a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And we knew we wouldn't go make money on it. We just did it to do it. But that means coming forward this next year, we're probably not going to be taking any far trips. We're going to take trips, uh, any live shows that we do, We'll probably be within two hours of where we live, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, um, Point Pleasant or something like that. We'll do stuff like that because that's we won't have this extra income to pay for those live shows. So we'll still still do live shows. We just won't be able to make it out as far, at least this coming year. Hopefully things progress in the future, but um, that's kind of where we're at. So that's how it affects the show. It affects the live shows and it affects uh, – so live show-wise – it affects that we won't be able to drive and go to shows as far away because then you start adding hotel expense and stuff where if we drive two hours, we can come right home. Mm-hmm. And the regular show, it's going to give you a free episode. So you get extra one place and we take away the other. Mm-hmm. So kind of sad. I like I like going to the farther away destinations. And oh, absolutely. Going to Houston I do and too. Kansas and Philly and, and all that. But. Oh, my gosh. And it, honestly, in the end, it's totally worth it because we – enjoy it and we love meeting all you wonderful people that come out to see us and everything like that so it's a true blessing in itself yeah i definitely i definitely like going to all those places but now 
uh, that money that was paying for those. Besides, <laughs> we just might have to pick and choose. I, I mean, guess. the Patreon stuff, you know, that's a big part of it too. Oh yeah. My gosh. Thank you guys so much for your support. And we could not do a lot of this stuff without you. Mm-hmm. But where all that Patreon stuff was extra money before, mm-hmm. <laughs> now it is the only money yeah. <laughs> on my end. So, But it's okay. Yeah, it is. Like I said before, it's worth Jerry's health and him not stressing and, you know, it's just worth it to us. So be nice having him here for a while. So I know that was long and drawn out, but with that being said, we do have another story for you to listen to. <laughs> now, this one's, a, this one's in Utah. And it's it's one of the weirdest combinations I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. But it's a haunted house that's connected to a nursing home. Oh, my goodness. And when I say haunted house, I mean haunted attractions, like for Halloween time people go to. Um, and it's connected to the nursing home. Uh-huh. So that's got to be freaky. But a listener told us about this story, and I decided to research it, and we ended up doing it on Patreon. But it's a fun story. I think you guys will like it. And then uh, go ahead and listen to this one real quick. The next story is a little more up our alley, so to speak. Not that it's up the road because it's not. It's in Utah. It's really far away. <laughs> but, like I said, I had a listener send, me a, send a message and said, hey, you need to check this out. It's in Utah. And... It's an old hospital that's a haunted house. And when I say haunted house, I don't mean haunted in the true sense of the word. I mean like at Halloween time, haunted attraction, haunted house. Okay. Now, what makes this place completely different? Well, I'll tell you as we get into the story. I don't want to just break it out. So it's Old Tool Hospital. It's in Tool, Utah. They said it's a haunted attraction these days called Asylum 49. This is a must-visit if you're ever in the area Halloween time because it's like, like supposed to be one of the best and when we get to the end of the story, you'll find out why it's got such a reputation. Now, from what visitors and employees say, don't expect every ghost and ghoul that you come across in the haunted attraction to be a person dressed up. It could very well be the real deal. You. Real Asylum, effects. Yeah, real effects. <laughs> <laughs> Asylum 49 took over the building in 2006. But this property goes all the way back to 1873 when Samuel F. Lee... And his family owned it. Now, he moved out in 1913, and then the county kind of took over the building. I don't know how they were able to do that. I don't know if he just left it and abandoned it or or what Mm -hmm. the situation was. But somehow, the county just kind of took it over and started using it as a home for elderly patients with special needs. It was then became known as the county poorhouse. Hmm. So that's a little confusing to me because yeah. it says elderly with special needs, but then it's the county poorhouse, which I wouldn't know why there would be just a poorhouse for elderly people. But that's what it was. In 1953, it was turned into a regular hospital. Now, the unique thing about this hospital is that it had no morgue. Whoa. There was Wait. a room, though, designated for picking up bodies of dead patients, though. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. So this may be one of the reasons... That they have so many hauntings here. Another reason may be the fact that the Toole County Cemetery is very close to the structure. Oh. So it's just Convenient. almost yeah. almost right on the property. So mm-hmm. not only do you have the whole hospital thing there, but you got a cemetery right pretty much right yeah. there. So don't tell us who you know who could be creeping in there from there. Mm-hmm. In two thousand, a new state of the art hospital was built and opened up here, and therefore the old Toole Hospital closed. Now the facility is cut in half. 
One half is the Asylum 49 um, Hunted Attraction, and the other half, get this, is still taking care of elderly people because oh. it's an old folks' home. Ooh. Boy, can you imagine how they feel on Halloween? Mm-mm. I haven't seen the exact layout of how this is, but I just can't imagine yeah. that there's, I mean, maybe there's enough, every, every haunted attraction I've ever been to is usually pretty loud and yeah, a lot of banging and stuff so like that. So disrespectful. Yeah. So, but I mean, maybe it's set up in a way where they can't tell. Maybe it's on the opposite side where they don't see anything. But mm-hmm. you would just think with people that may have dementia or something like that to see mm-hmm. some of those characters on there might yeah, freak yeah. them out a little bit. So that's the, some brief history of the building. But let's take a little bit of time to dig a little bit deeper. So we mentioned that it was a poorhouse, but as Tool in Utah started growing, people noticed that the building could be used for a whole lot more than the poor. The poor, poor. (laughs) Just do without them, I guess. So they decided to turn it into the hospital, and that's what happened. It opened in 1953, but was underfunded. That's the reason that there was no morgue. So we said that there was a room designated for the dead, but as they say, the devil's in the details, right? So... They would stack the bodies on top of each other in an unrefrigerated room. Oh, Jesus. Until the coroner could come and sign off on the death certificate. Oh, my God. Now, we mentioned half of this building is still used as a retirement house. Unfortunately, the residents are not really free from all the paranormal activity that goes on in the building. They've reported seeing children when no children are in the building. And that sounds cute, right? Children in the old folks' home. Not really, because the children are a sign of someone in the house is about to pass away. Oh, really? Yep. Sometimes even the person who saw the children pass away is the one that passes. So paranormal experts seem to think that these might not be children at all, but might actually be demons. You see, there's three apparitions on the hospital side. The first is a nurse that wears all white and she roams around the hospital. Now, many patients have claimed to see this nurse. When a real nurse comes to, to help the patient, they say the nurse in white has already been there. The thing is, none of the work nurses that work there today wear white. Then you got this second entity. It's not nearly as nice as this nurse in white. You see, this is a man in black, and he, oddly enough, appears around 3 a.m. Mm. He's said to be terrifying. And then you got the third entity, which is a little girl. Now, the little girl has also made an appearance on the Asylum 49 side during the haunted house times there. Visitors claim that she follows them through a maze and disappears. There's also an interesting pattern to Tool Hospital. It has a reputation for the number three. Now, we just talked about the fact that there's three entities there, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You know how celebrities tend to pass away in three? Everybody knows yeah. that. Oh, somebody passed away. That happens here at the hospital, too. When one passes, usually two more pass in a very short time. Mm-hmm. Kim Anderson, she's one of the owners of the haunted house next door, also does things in three. So you've got the three apparitions. you got her doing things in three. got three people dying, three entities. Mm-hmm. And then the man in black, what time does he appear? 3 a.m. The number three is supposed to be demonic in nature, 
And that's how demons communicate with the living is through the number of threes. Like we talk all the time on, on this show about um, demons will knock three times and you'll hear raps of three and stuff like that, which is usually a sign of demonic. That's obviously the mock in the Holy Trinity. Notice the number 666. It's three numbers. And it's also twice the number three. So there was an exorcism that had taken place at the hospital during a paranormal investigation. And supposedly it was successful and a lot of things was gone. But supposedly this exorcism was successful, but apparently it wasn't. Because we talked about the man in black earlier. Well, there was one point where he was seen walking around uh, the hall and he walked right into a patient's room and he locked the door. So the nurses all ran over there. And they tried to get into the door, and when they couldn't, they called maintenance down. The maintenance took the door off the hinges, and the nurses ran in, but when they ran in, the patient was dead. Oh, my gosh. Wow. There's also been paranormal action reported in room six. Someone wrote 666 on the door to make it even more creepy, as you can imagine. Oh, fun. There have been reports of people scratched inside that room. There was a medium who came in to investigate the hospital, and she said the nurse that everybody sees, name is Maria. She guards a spiritual porter that exits uh, somewhere on the land. Now, according to the nurse, the portal contains a very bright light, which is the deceased are kind of drawn to, and they try to go towards it. But then the nurse informs them that this isn't the portal that they're looking for, and they need to, uh, they're not going to get peace in the afterlight if they go into that light. Oh. And she directs them away from it. Oh, good for her. So we said that there was three ghosts earlier. The Utah Ghost Organization investigated the area and said they discovered several other spirits that are on the Asylum 49 side. So that was just on the hospital side. Mm-hmm. On the Asylum 49 side, there is a spirit named Wes. Wes suffered from Alzheimer's during the last days of his life at the hospital. So he wanders around Asylum 49 scared and confused. Aww. Many think that he suffers from the exact same disease even in the afterlife that he suffered at the end of his life. No way. He he seldom ever leaves the room, which he was, you know, staying at during his time there. And even when he was alive, he would seldom venture out even, like, just to the hallways. Just because be he might him. be scared and he yeah. wouldn't find his way back. So there's a medium that tried to help him cross over. And she says that every time he leaves the room and goes into the hallway, there's a dark entity that just stays out there with him. Oh, my gosh. Poor guy. So the Utah Ghost Organization also says that spirits of Richard, Ned, Peter, James, and Jessica appear to visitors and employees. They make their voices heard and their presence felt. It's possible that the original owner of the building, Samuel uh, F. Lee, may also be there as well. Samuel doesn't respond to guests, but his son enjoys playing pranks on the living. He's been seen in several different photos that pop up. Now, Cami Anderson and her husband, Kim, who own Asylum 49, and they own that with their nephew, uh, niece and nephew Dusty and Lyle Kensington, They said that they didn't have a clue that the place was haunted when they bought it. They said they do this haunted attraction, and the other times of the year, they now do paranormal investigations and tours because of it. Now, they said this is a full-contact haunted house. You will be touched, 
or carried off by some doctor or you may be separated from your group, says Cammie. Yeah, no. It's a very intensive, not recommended for children or adults who don't like to be scared, pregnant women, or physically or mentally impaired individuals. She said, um, at first, nobody was aware the hospital was haunted. And then she started experiencing strange things. Objects would remove from place to place and bounce around. She said voices, other sounds, things like that. Um, would just be heard throughout the building when nobody else was there. So they called in a group of paranormal investigators. They came out with a staggering amount of evidence, and they wanted everyone to experience this for themselves, so they started doing the tours. Hmm. Cammie says that she likes to keep the tour of the hospital at the haunted attractions separate, that the spirits don't always follow the rules, though. She said spirits have been known to lead customers into dead ends and then get them lost in the mazes. Oftentimes, they have no clue they've met a ghost until after the fact. <laughs> oh, crap. So this place is apparently like McCamey Manor. Mm-hmm. It may probably not to the extreme. Yeah. But, yeah, it's kind of wild. Man, there's no way I'd go there. My heart couldn't take it. Probably not. Mm-mm. So once we get you some good insurance, we'll take a trip to Utah. <laughs> yeah, we know we won't. <laughs> so anyway, that's our couple of stories. What do you think about the fact of having a haunted house... Right next to a retirement home. I don't know what I think about that. I think it's kind of tacky. It is kind of tacky. But, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. I don't know. It is just, I mean, I can remember, I've always said that I wanted us to open a haunted house, which that's a lot of money to start off with, so that's probably not going to happen. But I was, like, looking at a shopping center, I'm like, you know, it would kind of be a cool place if you get a big enough vacant Mm Mm-hmm. Building to put a Halloween Express in it anyway. Yeah. Surprise. But, you know, I thought it would be kind of cool to do. But then I also thought it would be kind of odd having, you know, the music playing on stuff while other people are conducting business. And I right. never would have thought to open one next to a retirement no, home. No. That's the craziest thing ever. <laughs> they're going to a little extreme. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they're thinking or hoping maybe somebody in the home would pass away and then they just cup on over to the. Haunted house and give the real effect. Yeah. Look, the coroner's not going to be here for another hour, hour and a half. <laughs> I just don't see why we can't weekend at Bernie it. <laughs> weekend at Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed the stories. And, thank you, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. sick of everybody being so sensitive these days no matter what you say everyone gets offended then we've got the podcast for you i'm jerry i'm amanda and we're the hosts of warning you will be offended a podcast with no filter if you're offended easily this is not the podcast for you we can't even talk about most of the topics on this promo you won't want to miss amanda's fact of the week Ooh, can i tell them about torso porn absolutely not can I tell them what color whale poop is? No. So subscribe today to warning you will be offended. It's pink. Damn it.